listening to the Stormcast, a podcast from the Omaha Storm Chasers. Oh, he got him! Oh, he got him! Escobar got him at first! And that ball's way out of here! It's a two-run game-winning homer! Here's your host, Jake Eisenberg. Everyone get on your feet, stir up the storm, we're family! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stormcast presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. I'm Jake Eisenberg and we've got a great show for you this time around. We're going to chat with Storm Chasers outfielder Brewer Hicklin who's in his first season at the AAA level. Also made his major league debut just a little bit over a month ago. So he's going to tell us all about that big league experience, all about joining the Storm Chasers for the first time and so much more. But before we get to our conversation with Brewer, we've got to have a little chat with somebody else because we've got a new voice joining the Stormcast. It's Nina Sabatka, our digital media manager here at the Omaha Storm Chasers. Nina, officially, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. We've got to learn a little bit about you, though. So first, tell us where you're from. Tell us, I guess, you know, how you got here and what you've been most excited about seeing over the last couple of months in your first year with the Storm Chasers. Well, hi, I'm Nina. I'm from Racine, Wisconsin, born and raised. Uh, I then went to school at Michigan State University. And then from there, from the education I gained there, I got a job here. And I've been here since January and loving it. I would say my favorite moment so far has been Jimmy Govern's walk-off. I mean, there's just like an iconic photo of like the flames in the background and like him coming towards home and like the old ball jerseys that like to me, like I, I loved it. And that's like a moment and like a photo that's like ingrained in my brain for the season so far. Yeah, it's hard to top a walk-off grand slam. I mean, walk-offs are one thing. A walk-off homer is another. A walk-off grand slam is just about as rare and cool as it gets. And I know the photo you're talking about. Minda Haas Kuhlman had a great frame of Jimmy Govern coming down the third baseline. He's spiking the helmet between his legs and you got the flames over the DJ's dugout, batter's eye going off in the distance. So yeah, that one's seared in my brain too. Definitely a highlight so far this season. We got a learn a little bit more about you though so i need your favorite storm chasers jersey and i'm gonna let you go wherever you want here this can be one that the storm chasers wear consistently the home whites the powder blues or maybe one of the fun jerseys that we've seen recently like the corn jerseys or the omahogs or the runses what do you got okay i personally really like like the old ball black ones like i like to call them tie-dye and people correct me saying they're not it's not tie-dye it's whatever that old ball thing is but, like, I also really liked the Darth Maul jerseys. Like, they looked weird on, but, like, but <laughs> they I They all kind of look yeah. weird on. That's part of yeah. the charm of minor league baseball is these specialty jerseys look great by themselves. When you put them on, the, the image distorts a little bit. The Darth Maul ones for Star Wars Night were awesome, though. You are the first person, I think, that has said that your favorite regular jersey is the old bolt with the blue lightning bolts around the sides. I'll be honest... There are some others that I like a little bit more. I'm partial to the royal blue with the gold oval jersey. That's that's my favorite jersey. I think that's a really clean look. But look, to each their own. And as long as you got players out on the field wearing some kind of Storm Chasers jersey, we're going to be all right. All right. So we've gotten your favorite moment, your favorite jersey. But now we got a little bit. We got to learn a little bit more about Nina as a kid. So you know, baseball introduction. You're growing up in Racine, Wisconsin, Milwaukee Brewers territory. But you yes. grew up a Giants fan. So who's your favorite? player growing up okay I have to give backstory on this I grew up my brothers all played baseball so it's just like all summer like I know I'm going to baseball games and my youngest older brother was a catcher and so we grew up of like MLB Network was on in our house like baseball was always on 
And in 2009 was when Buster Posey was getting, like, that was his rookie year. And I remember watching him. I was 10 years old, and I was like, wow. Like, I, I like him. And, like, then I would, like, go on our little, like, I, had, I think I had an iPad at the time. And I'd Google him, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, he's it. So I had a huge crush on him. The background on my first-generation iPad, by the way. And from then on, I became a Giants fan. I mean, they won three World Series in that time. How could you not be a fan? Yeah, no, you are not the only one who has ever had a crush on Buster Posey, that's for sure. Look, three-time World Series champion, one of the best catchers in the last half-decade plus, probably on a Hall of Fame trajectory, too. So as far as favorite players go, Buster Posey is a great one. All right, Nina, well, officially, again, welcome to the Stormcast. We're going to talk to you a little bit later. On the other side of our conversation with Brewer Hicklin, we'll break down what's coming up with the Omaha Storm Chasers, 4th of July. That's a big event that's coming up. Some more exciting stuff, too. But now we toss it to our conversation with Storm Chasers outfielder Brewer Hicklin right here on the Stormcast. Joined now on the Stormcast, presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce by Storm Chasers outfielder Brewer Hicklin, who is now, more importantly than anything else, officially a big leaguer. He made his big league debut at the tail end of May, back with the Storm Chasers now, but headed back to Kansas City at some point in the not-too-distant future, we hope. And we'll start with that, Brewer. You get the phone call that you're going to the show. What's that moment like, and what do you do right after you hang up? A whirlwind of emotions is, is the correct answer for that because uh, it's really hard to bottle up all of your, your feelings and emotions that you've had and all the hard work that you've put in to this career and this profession and um, I guess this hobby of mine of baseball. I mean, ever since I was four years old, it's been a dream of mine. And my dad and I have, have been working on that dream, uh, you know, since I was uh, playing at Mayfair Park in Huntsville, Alabama. So it was a uh, it was a lot you know uh it, it's really hard it was hard for me to digest because i really didn't know what to think because you you had dreamed of that moment for so long and then you're at the crossroads of this moment and it's like it's hard to accept because like you've just thought about it for so long so it was uh it was a whirlwind of emotions my wife was able to celebrate with me thor was actually uh in the office and he told me to facetime reagan who he he knows you know obviously thor and i go way back for the last 5 years but he said FaceTime Reagan, and uh, Reagan was on the phone, and he said, Hey, Reagan, your husband's about to be a big leaguer, and she literally passed out. <laughs> she was just out of breath. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was cool. It was special. Um, and then, you know, going into the next day in, uh, you know, Minnesota, it was just like it didn't really set in until I really got to the ballpark. It was like, whoa, I'm here. And so that was uh, – that was kind of a, a cool moment. Yeah, you're giving me, giving me some goosebumps, giving me some chills. Just thinking about that moment in Thor's office. I mean, when he said FaceTime Reagan, did you think, oh, something's happening? Yeah, so actually he had pulled me in his office, and this this is kind of how it was weird. So he pulled me in his office about 20 minutes earlier. It was me, uh, Cancel, and Fermin. And he said, hey, you guys are going to go on the taxi squad. I said, okay, cool. And first time for me as a taxi squad. But he's like, you guys may be in the hotel stuck. You may go be able to work out with the team, but we don't know yet. He got another call about 10 minutes later, and I was in the middle of the conversation with Reagan, and I was telling her, like, hey, you know, we don't know what this looks like. Let's not freak out. You know, let's just be cautious. Um, And I was kind of hesitant because, like, I wanted to call my family in case I did get activated. 
but I didn't know. Right, but you want them to be there just, yeah, just in case. Just in case, and, right? And for, those, and for those who aren't aware, Taxi Squad is basically kind of just a, a nickname, so to speak, for a small group of players that are traveling with the big league team but aren't on the active roster, kind of there sort of in case of emergency. That's that's really a good way to put it, and that's been the case at the big league level for the last couple of years. In fact, we saw Gabriel Cancel and Freddie Fermin were on the Taxi Squad just a little bit ago when the Royals were on the West Coast. Foster Griffin was on the Taxi Squad, too. Now he's since been called up, but that's basically the situation you thought you were going to find yourself in exactly so he calls me in his office about 20 minutes later and he says hey come see me so i was like okay and then he we had that moment together and he called all the coaches in there and he said hey like you're not going on taxi squad you're going to the show bro oh that's awesome yeah and so uh it, it was really um that was when it was like starting to set in and Fortunately, I think we had an 11 o'clock game, so it was like 2-ish, and um, my flight didn't leave till 8. So I called my parents, called my in-laws, called my brother, sister, all my friends. And so I really had a, quite some time to like get the word out before it became public news, and I don't think it was really to the next day that it became public news, but I called all the people that – you know, that were kind of an integral part of, of my development and people that I knew that would uh, appreciate me calling them. So I sat in the airport for, you know, a couple hours and just made some phone calls and, and celebrated that success with them. want to get to the, the Hicklin contingent that wound up in Minnesota in a second and the actual debut in a second. But first, you know, you've got a very special relationship with Scott Thorman. You've played for him, like you said, for pretty much the last five years. You haven't had another manager at the minor league level, really. So having him share that news with you had to be really special, not just for you, but also for him. You know, what's your relationship with him like, and how did it enhance that moment? You know, I always remember telling him I wanted to be the first person that he ever called up, um, <laughs> you know, years ago, and I wasn't that. I think Heasley was actually his first person. But, yeah, last year in AA. Yeah, um, you know, it was special for both of us because we both have such mutual respect for one another. I respect him and his coaching position as a father with his family, and, um, you know, he's kind of become that father-like figure for me on the baseball field just because, you know, he's been through so many ups and downs with me looking into last year and even Lexington getting there from extended spring training and, and struggling to start and then going off and then getting promoted and then getting demoted and, and you just kind of can go through that whole journey and path. So he's been there with through it all and, um, you know, he, he's a special person in my life and, and we both had some tears to be shed and um, I think that says a lot of how we think of one another yeah happy tears to be sure but you know they're not always happy tears when it comes to this game and I know that last year the beginning of the year especially was really kind of a low point for you and a, and a big struggle so at that juncture in your season last year you know starting at the double a level could you have imagined basically a year later making your major league debut yeah I remember Joel asking me kind of a similar question um in Minnesota and it really I really couldn't you know I remember a specific moment we were in Frisco going into San Antonio, two-week uh, road skid, and I just hit rock bottom. And um, I just was at a point, you know, like I was in the outfields thinking, like, this could be my last season. I just don't know if I'm good enough to make it. Um, I just don't, you know, I don't see this working out. What am I going to do next? Um, you know, like, why are all these people so much better than me? And all that just continued to build up and build up and build up until, you know, I got into July and um, I was in Tulsa and I just had had a breaking point. And I remember, you know, the game was mid-July and um, I was 0 for 4, I think, with three strikeouts. And, you know, it's, it sounds so funny when you think 0 for 4, three strikeouts. But, like, a lot of people don't realize, like, this is my job. This is my profession. 
I've spent the last six or seven years every day, off-season included, for one mission and one goal, and that's to get to the big leagues. So when you're at this point, when you've had continued failure for two and a half, three months, it weighs on you. And everybody around me was having success. First time in my life where I was kind of like the sucky guy on the team, you know. And so um, just all those emotions and trying to be the leader in the clubhouse like I had been and um, holding those in, you know, holding all those emotions in really kind of started to build up. And, and I hit that breaking point in Tulsa. And it was after the game, and I was, like, trying to figure out who, who I could call to talk to. But it was after the game, and everybody was asleep, my wife, my mentors. And fortunately, I had somebody that I knew in Korea that was an old hitting coach. And um, he's a man of faith, and he's, we've had really good conversations in the past. And just realized, you know, um, life's bigger than the game of baseball. And, I, and I've always known that. Um, I've always accepted that. You know, my identity is not how I play. Um, but like I said, when you put so much time and effort into something and you're a perfectionist like myself, you want to reap reward for your, your, your efforts. And I wasn't getting any much reward and um i hit that breaking point and I, he answered the phone and i just started bawling crying i couldn't even hardly get words out of my mouth because there was just so much built up inside of me and uh, it wasn't really any baseball knowledge that he gave me nothing to work on nothing to fix just talked life and um it was really rewarding i feel like god you know blessed me um through that and he blesses those who persevere i mean that's what he says you know in his word and um that's something that i held held true to me and and ended up having really good success into the end of the year. One of the things about baseball that I think is so magnetizing to both the people that watch the game and also play the game is how closely it mirrors life, how you do it every single day, and how you fail more often than not, and how the measure of success a lot of times is how you respond to those failures and adapt and try and get a little bit better every single day. You need to think about life as like a Ferris wheel sometimes going around and around and you know sometimes you're on that low point of the Ferris wheel but guess what? It's going all the way back up and then you're sitting at the top. Maybe it pauses there for a while and you get that really nice view yeah. but it's always cyclical and I think you know you might have experienced some of that cyclical nature of it's not necessarily you've got to change something about what you're doing on the field. You've just got to keep staying consistent with what you've been doing that's gotten you to that point, and then ultimately you find that success. But when it comes to you, you know, if you spend any time around you and in the clubhouse, you know that you're a light in that clubhouse. You're a natural leader. You're jovial. You're helping guys out. You're smiling a lot. And i got to understand that that's pretty hard when the numbers aren't there either. You, you feel like maybe you lose a little bit of credibility as a leader if the success isn't backed up to, to what you're bringing as a person. So after that phone conversation that you have, do you find a sense where you can start to open up to other guys in the clubhouse and talk a little bit more about what you're going through and lean on some other guys in the way that you hope they lean on you? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's easy to lead when you're on top, right? You know, that's when everybody wants to be a leader, but it's harder to lead when you're at the bottom. And that was something that I knew in the first time of my career, I had that cross path to take, crossroad to take. I could either you know, take the easy way out and complain and moan and, and find reasons to be miserable and not a good teammate. Or I could take that opportunity to, hey, we're all going to get in this situation or we've all been in this situation at some point. Let's let's still lead through this, you know, valley. And, um, you know, I, I took that opportunity to do that. And like you said, when I had that breaking point and I freed up and I talked to, you know, MJ had a ser similar season the year before, you know, him and I had some really good conversations and watching him walk through that in Wilmington and now him having success at the time in double A. 
so yeah, I mean, absolutely being able to have those healthy conversations with people really, um, was encouraging to me and, and uplifting, but, um, you know, I always try to have this eternal optimism in life and just try to, you know, have this lens and perspective of, of positive and gratefulness. And, um, you know, even through the valleys, like there's things to be grateful for and just to, you know, take advantage of being where your feet are and make the most of the opportunity of, you know, the God given, um, opportunity that you have that day to make a difference in somebody's life. Um, you know, and it, and it's funny, like, you know, you look out here in the game and kids are yelling at you in the left field and, and they want you to wave at them and you wave at them and they <laughs> go crazy. It's like biggest part of their day. I mean, best moment of their life. I, it's it's amazing, and so um, you know when you have that perspective, even in in your everyday life, of realizing that one small token can change somebody's day, you really start to look to serve other people, and you know you find value in your own self when you look to add value in other people. Do you have a memory of being that kid screaming at a baseball player when you were younger, going to a minor league game or a high school game or something growing up? You know, not not really specifically. Um, <laughs> But I do remember going um, to the high school football camps, and it was he was in high school guys. You know, like when I was eight years old, I was this little punk competitive kid that just <laughs> wanted to win everything. And um, I just remember because my brother was in high school at the time and watching all the you know the quarterback of the team and stuff. And um, I just remember being like starstruck at those camps. And I mean, that's seventeen. Yeah, when you're 18. eight years old, they're yeah. they're your idols. <laughs> yeah, and so. Um, I do remember the impact those guys had on me and just how much I looked forward to going to those camps and and competing each and every year. We're going to circle back to football because that's a big part of your journey as a professional baseball player, too, for those listening, if you can believe it or not. But now let's let's fast forward to that big league debut. You're in Minnesota. You're at Target Field. You're wearing a Royals jersey, ready to suit up active for the first time. You get on that field. What do you remember? What, What visceral things stick out about that moment where you're like, whoa, I'm a big leaguer? I'll be honest with you. The biggest thing that stuck out to me is I was not near as nervous as I thought I was going to be. And that's probably not an answer that you get very often, but I had prepared so much for that moment. I thought when I got to that moment, it was just going to be like this crazy, oh my gosh, uh, feeling. But it was a really encouraging feeling that I felt right at home. I felt like I belonged there. I felt like I could have success there. And, um, you know, when I walked up to my first at-bat, one of the coaches said, clean out the box, do your routine, stand in, look around the uh, stadium because you only get one of these. And I did that. And I just looked around, and it was just like, dang, I was made for this. <laughs> like, I, I truly feel like I belong here. I truly feel like I deserve this opportunity. And I got in the box, and I just got tunnel vision. I mean, I, I, I really don't even remember having, like, my heart rate going through the roof or anything. I just remember being at P, like – like I literally just did this yesterday in Louisville at 11 o'clock in the morning and I went four for six you know I did it yesterday like I made I could do this results didn't happen like I wanted to my first debut which at that point was irrelevant because I was celebrating something a lifelong you know of work but you know you're gonna have your failures out here and um like we talked about you know you fail literally 70 percent of the time so it's it's the best game to teach you life lessons, and I've I've dealt with more failure in the last five to seven years um, that I feel like will equip me in whatever journey that I decide to post baseball for sure. So that moment when you're looking around Target Field, I mean, do you know where your family is sitting in the stadium at that point? Oh yeah, I found. So him. did you make eye contact yeah, with Reagan for sure? Yeah, I, I saw him on the way in from the stretching on the on the uh, on the line and saw them all up there, just you know on the edge of their seat and like 
just a nervous wreck. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. They were probably three times as nervous as I was because they can't control the moment. You know, they, they know what they want to see, you know, come to fruition. Obviously they want to get a base hit or get a you know, home run or whatever, but it doesn't matter what they want or what they can, they can't do anything about it. It's all, you know, in the hands of me. Um, so they're like obviously uh, nervous and on edge because they can't control the moment. But I was so at peace, just uh, honestly, just embracing um, the incredible blessing that God had given me to be in that box. And um, you know, I walked up to that at bat like I do um, every night and just said, you know, God, like I give you this day and I give you this at bat, and I just want to glorify you in the way that I do that. And um, I try to keep that mindset every day with with how i play the game what's going through reagan's mind this whole time oh gosh i don't know if i want to know oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah she's uh she's an anxious um is her middle name so uh anxiety comes comes uh pretty quickly to her so she was probably very anxious and um just hoping i hit the ball sure but she's been with you every step of the way <laughs> yeah yeah, she uh she has, man. And you look at um what these wives do and the sacrifices that they make for us to literally pursue our childhood dream. Uh it's pretty selfless and it's an, uh, admirable for me just to look at her and and realize that you know, she quit her job to come here this season and, and be with me and celebrate um you know, the highs and the lows of of a baseball season and I think her eyes have been opened uh really for a good um to see you know how it all works and uh, realize the work that we put into it and really how much we love it and um you know how there's so much things that we can't control in, in this game and um yeah I, I think wives uh ultimately deserve more credit than they get because they truly are the backbone of us i mean we, when we leave the field we go home and spend time with them and our dog <laughs> as i've mentioned to you bear um who's right the dog's name is bear it's not a bear it's a dog named bear i just want to clarify that for yeah, everybody um but yeah i mean you you really um i mean that that's when you decompress is when you go home and if you don't have somebody um there that's on the same side as you it's it's really hard to decompress and i'm very fortunate to have a wife that um is very loving and gracious and um supportive and so when i go home every night uh, we really enjoy our, each other's company and um just try to set baseball aside and, and enjoy, you know, really the time in our lives where it's mid twenties and just get to go home every night and hang out, you know, um, n- no responsibilities here in the season other than to play baseball. And so house is back at home. We got somebody taking care of that. Um, you know, everything really is, is, is pretty, pretty great here. Yeah. It's great to see Reagan here at Warner park and bear too, especially bark in the park Sundays, <laughs> oh, yeah. seeing him roaming around the berm and let's rewind a little bit. We talked about the big league debut. We talked about the minor league journey to get there, but for you, football's a big part of it too. And for that, we've got to go back to your college days because in college you were a two way guy, not necessarily, you know, pitching and hitting. We're talking two different sports, baseball and football. So how did you go from being a football player for a school that wound up not having a football program in the University of Alabama, Birmingham, to then shining on the baseball field. Yeah, so uh, take you back to high school. My senior year, uh, I got offered um, by UAB baseball team uh, the summer, going into my senior year in July, and I kind of wanted to see how my senior football season went because I had some some schools that were really interested in me, um, and so I told them. Hey, hang tight. Let me, you know, get a couple weeks into the season to see how the season's going. And 
ended up getting I don't know probably eight or ten D one offers, uh, some mid majors, Air Force, Furman, Sanford. What were you playing football wise? I was quarterback, quarterback in high school. Yeah, and so nothing really uh, that really really piqued my interest. I wanted to go to a bigger school. I wanted to go to a bigger city, and so called my UAB coach back. Uh, I guess it was probably I don't know maybe eight weeks into this football season, and I was like, hey, I want to you know commit and come to UAB. And he uh, he goes, uh, I've gave your scholarship to somebody else because I haven't heard from you. And it was really just a big misunderstanding. And I remember him being a man of faith and a man of his word. He said, give me a week to figure it out, and I'll, I'll, we'll try to, you know, work through this. He called me back a week later and said, hey, you know, you're going to be a walk-on baseball player your first year. And then you'll have a chance to, you know, you'll earn a scholarship your second year, and we'll try to make it up the next, you know, remaining three years. So I walked on at UAB as a baseball player. I got there. The UAB football team just finished a 6-6 six and six season. And I kind of had this itch that I wanted to play football. I was like, man, I miss it. As soon as I had that itch, they can they can to the football team and uh, said they didn't have funding. And so I was like, okay, that's God shutting the door. Let's focus on baseball. Well, about a year later, they raised, what, $25 million, and the football team comes back. And I really prayed about it, and I was like, okay. I, and, I, and I got hurt my freshman year, so I didn't even play baseball my freshman year. I redshirted, and I tore my rotator cuff like five days before the season. So um, I sat out my first year going to the fall of my redshirt freshman year and was probably slated to start at center field. Wasn't obviously 100% sure because he was still trying to fill out the roster. Uh, football team comes back. It's January, and I'm like, oh, man, I feel like playing football again next year. Like, I, like this is a great opportunity. They're kind of rebuilding, rebooting everything up. And I remember, uh, you know, praying about it and talking to my dad, talking to my um, my hitting coach, uh, not my hitting coach, my high school coach. And he made a call and got a meeting with, with Coach Clark. And he sent me my film. And we uh, had a conversation in January and said, hey, look, like, if I'm going to be, um, you know, on the team, like, I want to be a contributing factor like I don't want to just go and sit because I could be playing baseball and and, you know defining my skills doing that so I get to uh the office we have a great conversation he says hey we'll start in the summer you'll do summer workouts we'll give you you know two and a half months three months to kind of figure out if we want to go this route or not and then we'll you know go from there the next day I see my hitting coach in the cage and he goes what were you doing in the football complex yesterday Oh gosh, this was supposed to be like on the DL, and because like I have never even played a baseball uh, a, a game yet, and so I right because like, you got hurt your freshman yeah. year. So I'm like, I don't want these guys to let this go into their factor of me playing center field. Well, turns out the secretary knows my coach, and she said, "Hey, I saw one of your players." <laughs> well, of course, everyone knows everybody, uh, right? I'm like, come on, guys. In hindsight, you wish you had been a little bit more communicative? For sure, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Should. I mean, knowing knowing those two coaches, I should have been transparent. But at the time, he really didn't want me to do it. Sure. Uh, and I'm not going to lie. Like, he was very anti-football. Uh, and, I mean, I respected his opinion, but at the same time, I had my own opinion. Hard, and, to, hard to blame him, too, because he's got one of the guys that he thinks is going to be a big contributor on his team going yeah. to play a sport that's way more violent, you know? Exactly. Injuries and everything. So, um, I have a good freshman year. I think I was maybe off all year. For freshman team or whatever and then summer summer uh for football starts and i'm playing receiver now no, no longer quarterback and learning a new position uh going through the workouts and um three weeks later coach clark said hey 
I like what I see. We're going to offer you a full scholarship. To play football. To play football. And so I uh, went through the rest of the summer workouts, went into the fall, did the uh, – went through – fall workouts with them because at that time that was their first fall with a full team so we practiced scrimmage right there were no there were no games that season it was still kind of rebuilding exactly. and so just like intra-squad stuff exactly yeah and uh grinding three weeks of uh like many camps uh you know in the fall like since we didn't have a game they just did three weeks of like hell week oh my gosh <laughs> it was oh it was so bad it was so fun though um <laughs> I remember getting out of bed in the morning one day and like I could barely walk to go to the bathroom. My legs were so sore. But you're also you're still doing baseball stuff at that yeah. point because there are fall workouts and fall practices mm-hmm. for baseball too. So you're basically doing all these football workouts. You're doing all these baseball workouts. Oh, by the way, like you've got to go to classes too yeah. and focus on your schoolwork. I mean, how do you balance all of that? Yeah, so Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I loaded my mornings up with classes. And Tuesday, Thursdays were my open days. And so um, I took four classes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then I had one online class, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, we had Tuesday's full, full pad scrimmage. Uh, practice Thursday full uh, pad practice and Saturday was a scrimmage Monday was a Friday were film days and workout days so I would work out um, and watch film on Monday with the football team and then I'd go practice um, baseball with the baseball team Tuesdays would be all football and then Saturdays I'd scrimmage in the morning with the football team and then go to the scrimmage for baseball in the afternoon. <laughs> when when did you sleep exactly? Uh just you sleep when you're dead, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, like average. How many hours oh, of sleep do you think you got it, a night that well, fall? Well, just with school and everything, it wasn't it wasn't a lot. Yeah. Three, it, four? Yeah, it was a long days. And I mean I loved it though. I mean that's 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 me, man. I'm on the go. I'm an outgoing person. I'm extroverted. So like I was You I, extroverted? Yeah, no. no. Chance, no. <laughs> I mean I was having be. I was having the time of my life. Uh two totally different locker rooms. I mean, a football locker room and a baseball locker room. I I can't even not even on the same highway. It's and it's awesome. I love it. You know, that's the unique thing about sports is you just get to experience so many different cultures and backgrounds and uh experiences. So I uh I'm so grateful for my time and um, I remember when I called Coach Clark to let him know I was getting drafted and I wasn't going to be there. Right. So you, so you go through all these practices and then, you know, have the next good, spring rolls yep, around. You have a baseball. good spring and then all of a sudden, phone rings. And I had an idea. So I had an advisor at the time and I had an idea it was coming. So I, I missed the first. I said, hey, I need two weeks to miss workouts because I'm just don't want something crazy to happen, you know, pull a hammy, hurt a knee, whatever. So uh, I remember um, making that call after the two weeks. I said, hey, I just got drafted. Um, and I think I'm going to take that route. And he goes, uh, I'm happy for you. You know, you know, it ain't going to be as tough as it was last year. You know, we got games this year, so we got to, you know, be a little bit lighter on you guys. And I'm like, you know, even if it was just as tough, I, I would, I would do it and I'd sign up for it. But just, um, you know, financially and, and getting drafted and this being a dream of mine, I'm going to have to pursue that. And he was nothing but supportive. And I mean, you look at what he's done at UAB, uh, the last, five six years it's been incredible and turning that program around and um shoot i think three conference championships too maybe yeah yeah it's pretty good don't don't mess with those dragons get out of here put some respect on us oh the blazers i knew that would get you too yeah i knew that would get you just just pushing a button a little bit uh so you get drafted you know on the baseball side and you start the professional baseball route and so that obviously leads to Two very important questions. The first is, had you not signed and had you played football, 
You think you'd be in the NFL right now? Uh, you know, I, I, I really don't know. But I do know that I would be the hardest working six foot two, two hundred eight pound white outside wide receiver <laughs> in the game. Um, my, I mean, my, my, uh, college strength coach, he, we had a good relationship and he really, uh, he really liked my skill set and felt like I'd, you know, be kind of a under the radar kind of guy. And it's tough to say, but, um, with my work ethic, I'd like to think that I can do anything, and uh, I fully believe that. So I'd like to say that I could. I mean, look, there have been there have been guys that have played in Major League Baseball and the NFL before. I Heck, know. there was one who played for the Royals pretty famously. Yeah, you might have heard of him, a guy yeah. named Bo Jackson. Yeah, I've heard of him a couple times. <laughs> from, you, from Alabama. From Alabama, exactly. You you running up the fence here at Warner Park, yep. and making those throws to home plate like like Bo did back in the day. Bo knows. Bo Bo does know. Bo knows. Bo knows. All right, let's take it back to the present and. And we'll wrap up here. You're now back with the Storm Chasers and man in the outfield, center, right, left. You know, you're hanging in this clubhouse. You're wearing the fun jerseys, the salute to corn jerseys. Those are pretty fun. What'd Don't get th- to wear those in the big leagues. What did you think? They were corny. They were <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the perfect That's the perfect answer. Yeah. I mean, your time in minor league baseball, what's the most ridiculous or your favorite random jersey you've worn? We had a dodgeball average we were the average blue rocks those were kind of cool the the chickens the, the growling chickens the growling in chickens northwest arkansas cool. yeah that's popular uh, wilmington there was the dodgeball ones we had this typical star wars ones but um oh we had celery ones in, oh for mr celery oh, in wilmington man those were tough yeah but mr celery's great you gotta love him he's a legend <laughs> he's a legend but man those jerseys were ugly oh uh yeah i don't know man i I don't know. The corn, it's, it's up there. That's a, definitely up there. It's, it's a sharp look. Yeah. Yeah, it gets popping. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I just can't really, you know, I could, but I can't imagine that being hung in my house, you know, like on display of jerseys because, one, it's so ugly. I don't know if it wanted to be in the house, but, two, it's like a great conversation starter. Yeah, and it's ugly in a good way. Yeah, it's like. You know, a, that's the important part. It is. It's, it's like unique. Exactly. I mean, you never see anything like it. It's very emblematic of, you know, the the experience, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, ugly can be good. Ugly can I be mean, good. I mean, think about how many cute, ugly dogs you see. Why do you think I'm on the radio? <laughs> exactly. They, they don't want to put you in front of the TV. I understand. <laughs> well, Brewer, you know, appreciate your time as always. Great getting to know you this season. Congrats on all the success. The big league debut especially. It's been really fun to watch, and we're looking forward to watching out there at Warner Park and beyond the rest of the way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've, I've enjoyed my time in Omaha, and uh, my wife and I have been welcomed with open arms, and uh, just going to go out there each and every day and, and, you know, pretend like it's my last day because we never know what tomorrow holds and just uh, embrace the opportunity and just challenge everybody that listens to this to do the same in their work field because, um, you know, you're always one conversation away from changing somebody's life. Many thanks again to Brewer Hicklin for joining us on the Stormcast presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. And Nina, it was great to hear from Brewer about his big league debut and the relationship that he has with Scott Thorman especially. And we've talked to Brewer about it before, how he's played for Scott Thorman pretty much every year of his professional career. But the fact that Thor got to be the one to tell Brewer that he was headed to the big leagues, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I I can't imagine what that feels like. That must just be so special. Like you said, he's like a, an extension of his father, like just another father figure to him. So like having that, like someone you have such a special relationship with tell you must be just a crazy amount of emotion. 
players, coaches, instructors, rovers, front office people, you know, over the course of a season, day in and day out, they really truly do become like family. And it was great to hear that Brewer also had so many members of his family in Minnesota for his big league debut and hopefully more big league games to come for Brewer Hicklin. That'll do it for this episode of the Stormcast presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. But before we wrap up, let's take a little look ahead. What's coming up at Warner Park? What's coming up for the Omaha Storm Chasers right now in St. Paul, taking on the St. Paul Saints. But come next week, big game on Monday, maybe the most exciting one of the year. Chasers are back in town with a bang. Yeah, we're back for the 4th of July playing on a Monday. Um, We'll be having specialty patriotic jerseys, which will be then auctioned off September 11th because we'll wear them two more times. There will be a huge firework display, bigger than normal, sponsored by F&BO. So make sure you're out here for that. I'm hearing it's one of the biggest in the city, so I don't think you're going to want to miss it. And then we also have Christmas in July coming July 9th, which should be fun if you're a festive person. Um, We'll be having a lot of like Christmas music and Christmas themes throughout the game. So I don't think you want to miss that either. So I, I want to bring up something you just touched on, which I think is kind of cool. This will be your first 4th of July game here in Omaha. This is also my first 4th of July game here in Omaha because we didn't have one at Warner Park last year. The Storm Chasers were up in St. Paul for the 4th of July. There still was the Independence Day celebration here at Warner Park, but it wasn't on July 4th. So it's great to see that back returning here, especially after 2020 when there were fireworks here. But obviously there was no Storm Chasers baseball here that year. So it'll be great to bring that atmosphere back to Warner Park. There's also a special ticket package for for the 4th. You can buy a specially priced four-pack of tickets to Saturday games, July 9th, August 6th, August 27th, and September 10th. You buy that package, you get one ticket to the 4th of July for free. That's a pretty good deal. Five ball games, and you get to come to the 4th of July and see that FNBO fireworks spectacular. That sounds... It's not too bad. Oh, that's great. That ticket package, you also get outdoors night where they'll be wearing specialty jerseys. You get also that Christmas in July game. Like It's a Definitely a, a package I would want to buy. Got great weather at Warner Park. We look forward to having more great weather at Warner Park as the first half of this season starts to come to a close and we begin the second half of this season, late July and then August and then the month of September, and we hope to see you out here cheering on the Storm Chasers. So that'll do it for us and this edition of the Stormcast presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. Thanks so much for tuning in, and once again, thanks to Brewer Hicklin. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review the Stormcast. Also, check out our earlier episodes. We talked to Josh Dye this season. We talked to Nick Prado this season. Right before the season started, we chatted with now hitting coach for the Kansas City Royals, Alex Zumwalt. That was a really interesting conversation from spring training, so make sure you go back to the archive and check those out. And of course, in the archive, you can also find game rewinds from every game. You can take a listen to the pregame interviews, our Royals minor league reports, and so much more. You can keep up with everything Omaha Storm Chasers by following the team on Twitter at OMA Storm Chasers and on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Omaha Storm Chasers. Remember, single game tickets on sale as always. Special tickets packages are here, there, and everywhere, so just call the ticket office, ask them, stop by Warner Park, hang out at the Stormfront Team Store, come say hi to us. For everybody of the Omaha Storm Chasers and for Nina Sabatka, I'm Jake Eisenberg saying so long. You've been listening to the Stormcast. Everyone get on your feet, stir up the storm, we're family.